0: section 10 of great ghost stories by joseph lewis french this librivox recording is in the public domain section 10 the open door part 5 the road to the station and the village lay through the glen not by the ruins but though the sunshine and the fresh air and the beauty of the trees and the sound of the water were all very soothing to the spirits. My mind was so full of my own subject that I could not refrain from turning to the right hand as I got to the top of the glen and going straight to the place which I may call the scene of all my thoughts. It was lying full in the sunshine like all the rest of the world, The ruined gable looked due east, and in the present aspect of the sun the light streamed down through the doorway as our lantern had done, throwing a flood of light upon the damp grass beyond. There was a strange suggestion in the open door. So futile, a kind of emblem of vanity, all free around so that you could go where you pleased. And yet that semblance of an enclosure, that way of entrance, unnecessary, leading to nothing, and why any creature should pray and weep to get in to nothing or be kept out by nothing. You could not dwell upon it, or it made your brain go round. I remembered, however, what Simpson said about the juniper, with a little smile on my own mind as to the inaccuracy of recollection which even a scientific man will be guilty of. I could see now the light of my lantern gleaming upon the wet, glistening surface of the spiky leaves at the right hand. And he was ready to go to the stake for it that it was the left. I went round to make sure. And then I saw what he had said. Right or left, there was no juniper at all. I was confounded by this, though it was entirely a matter of detail. Nothing at all. A bush of brambles waving, the grass growing up to the very walls. But, after all, though it gave me a shock for a moment, what did that matter?' There were marks as if a number of footsteps had been up and down in front of the door, but these might have been our own steps, and all was bright and peaceful and still. I poked about the other ruin, the larger ruins of the old house, for some time, as I had done before. There were marks upon the grass here and there. I could not call them footsteps, All about. But that told for nothing one way or another. I had examined the ruined rooms closely the first day. They were half filled up with soil and debris, withered brackens and bramble. No refuge for anyone there. It vexed me that Jarvis should see me coming from that spot when he came up to me for his orders. I don't know whether my nocturnal expeditions had got wind among the servants, but there was a significant look in his face. Something in it I felt was like my own sensation when Simpson in the midst of his skepticism was struck dumb. Jarvis felt satisfied that his veracity had been put beyond question. I never spoke to a servant of mine in such a peremptory tone before. I sent him away with a flea in his lug, as the man described it afterwards. Interference of any kind was intolerable to me at such a moment. But what was strangest of all was that I could not face Roland. I did not go up to his room as I would have naturally done at once. "'This the girls could not understand. "'They saw there was some mystery in it. "'Mother is gone to lie down,' Agatha said. "'He has had such a good night.' "'But he wants you so, Papa,' cried little Jeanie, "'always with her two arms embracing mine, "'in a pretty way she had. "'I was obliged to go at last, but what could I say?' I could only kiss him and tell him to keep still, that I was doing all I could. There is something mystical about the patience of a child. It will come out all right, won't it, Father? He said. God grant it may. I hope so, Roland. Oh, yes, it will come all right. Perhaps he understood "'that in the midst of my anxiety I could not stay with him "'as I should have done otherwise. "'But the girls were more surprised than it is possible to describe. "'They looked at me with wondering eyes. "'If I were ill, Papa, and you only stayed with me a moment, "'it should break my heart,' said Agatha. "'But the boy had a sympathetic feeling.' He knew that of my own will I would not have done it. I shut myself up in the library, where I could not rest, but kept pacing up and down like a caged beast. What could I do? And if I could do nothing, what would become of my boy? These were the questions that, without ceasing, pursued each other through my mind. "'Simpson came out to dinner, and when the house was all still "'and most of the servants in bed, we went out and met Dr. Moncrief, "'as we had appointed, at the head of the glen. "'Simpson, for his part, was disposed to scoff at the doctor. "'If there are to be any spells, you know, I'll cut the whole concern,' he said. "'I did not make him any reply.' I had not invited him. He could go or come as he pleased. He was very talkative, far more so than suited my humor as we went on. One thing is certain, you know, there must be some human agency, he said. It is all bosh about apparitions. I have never investigated the laws of sound to any great extent, and there's a great deal in ventriloquism that we don't know much about. "'If it's the same to you,' I said, "'I wish you'd keep all that to yourself, Simpson. "'It doesn't suit my state of mind.' "'Oh, I hope I know how to respect idiosyncrasy,' he said. "'The very tone of his voice irritated me beyond measure. "'These scientific fellows—' I wonder people put up with them as they do when you have no mind for their cold-blooded confidence. Dr. Moncrief met us about eleven o'clock, the same time as on the previous night. He was a large man, with a venerable countenance and white hair, old but in full vigor and thinking less of a cold night walk than many a younger man. "'He had his lantern as I had. "'We were fully provided with means of lighting the place, "'and we were all of us resolute men. "'We had a rapid consultation as we went up, "'and the result was that we divided to different posts. "'Dr. Moncrief remained inside the wall, "'if you can call that inside, where there was no wall but one.' Simpson placed himself on the side next the ruins so as to intercept any communication with the old house, which was what his mind was fixed upon. I was posted on the other side. To say that nothing could come near without being seen was self-evident. It had been so also on the previous night. Now, with our three lights in the midst of the darkness, the whole place seemed illuminated. Dr. Moncrief's lantern, which was a large one, without any means of shutting up, an old-fashioned lantern with a pierced and ornamental top, shone steadily, the rays shooting out of it upward into the gloom. He placed it on the grass, where the middle of the room, if This had been a room, would have been. The usual effect of the light streaming out of the doorway was prevented by the illumination which Simpson and I on either side supplied. With these differences, everything seemed as on the previous night. And what occurred was exactly the same, with the same air of repetition, point for point, as I had formerly remarked. I declare that it seemed to me as if I were pushed against, put aside, by the owner of the voice, as he paced up and down in his trouble. Though these are perfectly futile words, seeing that the stream of light from my lantern, and that from Simpson's taper, lay broad and clear, without a shadow, without the smallest break, across the entire breadth of the grass. But just as it threw itself sobbing at the door, I cannot use other words, there suddenly came something which sent the blood coursing through my veins and my heart into my mouth. It was a voice inside the wall, my minister's well-known voice. I would have been prepared for it in any kind of adjuration, but I was not prepared for what I heard. It came out with a sort of stammering, as if too much moved for utterance. Willie! Willie! Oh, God, preserve us! Is it you? I made a dash round to the other side of the wall. The old minister was standing where I had left him, his shadow thrown vague and large upon the grass by the lantern which stood at his feet. I lifted my own light to see his face. He was very pale, his eyes wet and glistening, his mouth quivering with parted lips. He neither saw nor heard me. His whole being seemed absorbed in anxiety and tenderness. He held out his hands, which trembled, but it seemed to me with eagerness, not fear. He went on speaking all the time. Willie, if it is you, and it's you if it is not a delusion of Satan, Willie, lad. Why come ye here frightening them that know you not? Why came ye not to me? Your mother's gone with your name on her lips. Do you think she would ever close her door on her own lad? Do you think the Lord will close the door, ye faint-hearted creature? No, I forbid ye. "'I forbid ye!' cried the old man. The sobbing voice had begun to resume its cries. He made a step forward, calling out the last words in a voice of command. "'I forbid ye!' "'Cry out no more to man. "'Go home, ye in spirit. "'Go home!' Do ye hear me, me that christened ye, that have struggled with ye, that have wrestled for ye with the Lord? Here the loud tones of his voice sank into tenderness. And her too, poor woman, poor woman, her you are calling upon, she's no here you'll find her with the lord go there and seek her not here do you hear me lad go after her there he'll let you in though it's late man take heart if you will lie and sob and greet let it be at heaven's gate and know your poor mother's ruined door. He stopped to get his breath, and the voice had stopped, not as it had done before, when its time was exhausted and all its repetitions said, but with a sobbing catch and the breath as if overruled. Then the minister spoke again. "'Are you hearing me, Will?' Oh, laddie, you've liked the beggarly elements all your days. Be done with them now. Go home to the father. The father, are you hearing me? Here the old man sank down upon his knees, his face raised upwards, his hands held up with a tremble in them. "'all white in the light in the midst of the darkness. "'I resisted as long as I could, though I cannot tell why. "'Then I, too, dropped upon my knees. "'Simpson, all the time, stood in the doorway "'with an expression in his face such as words could not tell. "'His under lip dropped, his eyes wild, staring.' It seemed to be to him that image of blank ignorance and wonder that we were praying. All the time the voice, with a low, arrested sobbing, lay just where he was standing as I thought. Lord, the minister said, Lord, take him into thy everlasting habitations. The mother he cries to is with thee, who can open to him but thee? Lord, when is it too late for thee, or what is too hard for thee? Lord, let that woman there draw him in hour, let her draw him in hour. I sprang forward to catch something in my arms that flung itself wildly within the door. The illusion was so strong that I never paused till I felt my forehead graze against the wall and my hands clutch the ground, for there was nobody there to save from falling as in my foolishness I thought. Simpson held out his hand to me to help me up. He was trembling and cold, his lower lip hanging, his speech almost inarticulate. "'It's gone,' he said, stammering. "'It's gone.' "'As long as I live, I will never forget the shining of the strange lights, the blackness all round.' the kneeling figure with all the whiteness of the light concentrated on its white, venerable head and uplifted hands. I never knew how long we stood, like sentinels guarding him at his prayers, but at last the old minister rose from his knees and, standing up at his full height, raised his arms, as the Scotch manner is at the end of a religious service, and solemnly gave the apostolical benediction. To what? To the silent earth, the dark woods, the wide-breathing atmosphere. For we were but spectators gasping an amen. It seemed to me that it must be the middle of the night as we all walked back. It was in reality very late. Dr. Moncrief himself was the first to speak. "I must be going," he said. "I will go down the glen as I came, but not alone. I am going with you, doctor. Well, I will not oppose it. I am an old man, and agitation wearies more than work, yes." I'll be thankful of your arm. Tonight, Colonel, you've done me more good turns than one. I pressed his hand on my arm, not feeling able to speak. But Simpson, who turned with us, and who had gone along all this time with his taper flaring in entire unconsciousness, became himself skeptical and cynical. I should like to ask you a question, he said. Do you believe in purgatory, doctor? It's not in the tenets of the church, so far as I know. Sir, said Dr. Moncrief, an old man like me is sometimes not very sure what he believes. There is just one thing I am certain of, and that is the loving-kindness of God. But I thought that was in this life. I am no theologian. Sir, said the old man again, with a tremor in him which I could feel going over all his frame. If I saw a friend of mine within the gates of hell, I would not despair but his father would take him by the hand still if he cried like you. I allow, it is very strange, very strange. I cannot see through it, that there must be human agency, I feel sure. Doctor, what made you decide upon the person and the name the minister put out his hand with the impatience which a man might show if he were asked how he recognized his brother. "'Tuts!' he said in familiar speech. Then more solemnly, "'How should I not recognize a person that I know better, far better, than I know you?' "'Then you saw the man?' Dr. Moncrief made no reply. He moved his hand again with a little impatient movement and walked on, leaning heavily on my arm. We parted with him at his own door, where his old housekeeper appeared in great perturbation waiting for him. Hey, me minister, the young gentleman will be worse, she cried. Far from that better. God bless him, Dr. Moncrief said. I think if Simpson had begun again to me with his questions, I should have pitched him over the rocks as we returned up the glen. But he was silent by a good inspiration, and the sky was clearer than it had been for many nights. Shining high over the trees with here and there a star faintly gleaming through the wilderness of dark and bare branches. We went up to the boy's room when we went in. There we found the complete hush of rest. My wife looked up out of a doze and gave me a smile. I think he is a great deal better, but you are very late, she said in a whisper. "'shading the light with her hand "'that the doctor might see his patient. "'The boy had got back something like his own color. "'He woke as we stood all around his bed. "'His eyes had the happy, half-awakened look of childhood, "'glad to shut again, "'yet pleased with the interruption and glimmer of the light.' I stooped over him and kissed his forehead, which was moist and cool. "'All is well, Roland,' I said. He looked up at me with a glance of pleasure, and took my hand and laid his cheek upon it, and so went to sleep. For some nights after, I watched among the ruins— "'spending all the dark hours up to midnight "'patrolling about the bit of wall "'which was associated with so many emotions, "'but I heard nothing and saw nothing "'beyond the quiet course of nature. "'Nor, so far as I am aware, "'has anything been heard again. "'Dr. Moncrief gave me the history of the youth, "'whom he never hesitated to name.' I did not ask, as Simpson did, how he recognized him. He had been a prodigal, weak, foolish, easily imposed upon, and led away, as people say. All that we had heard had passed actually in life, the doctor said. The young man had come home thus a day or two after his mother died who was no more than housekeeper in the old house, and distracted with the news, had thrown himself down at the door and called upon her to let him in. The old man could scarcely speak of it for tears. He was not terrified, as I had been myself and all the rest of us. It was no ghost, as I fear we all vulgarly considered it to him but a poor creature whom he knew under these conditions, just as he had known him in the flesh, having no doubt of his identity. And to Roland it was the same. This spirit in pain, if it was a spirit, this voice out of the unseen, was a poor fellow creature in misery to be succored and helped out of his trouble to my boy. He spoke to me quite frankly about it when he got better. "'I knew Father would find out some way,' he said, "'and this was when he was strong and well, "'and all idea that he would turn hysterical "'or become a seer of visions had happily passed away. "'I must add one curious fact, "'which does not seem to me to have any relation to the above,' but which Simpson made great use of, as the human agency which he was determined to find somehow. One Sunday afternoon Simpson found a little hole, for it was more a hole than a room, entirely hidden under the ivy and ruins, in which there was a quantity of straw laid in a corner, as if someone had made a bed there, and some remains of crusts about the floor. Someone had lodged there, and not very long before he made out. And that this unknown being was the author of all the mysterious sounds we heard, he is convinced. I was puzzled myself. I could not make it out. But I always felt convinced human agency was at the bottom of it. And here it is. "'and a clever fellow he must have been,' the doctor says. "'There is no argument with men of this kind. "'Bagley left my service as soon as he got well. "'He assured me it was no want of respect, "'but he could not stand them kind of things, "'and the man was so shaken and ghastly "'that I was glad to give him a present and let him go. "'For my own part,' I made a point of staying out the time, two years, for which I had taken Brentwood, but I did not renew my tenancy. By that time we had settled and found for ourselves a pleasant home of our own. I must add that when the doctor defies me, I can always bring back gravity to his countenance and a pause in his railing when I remind him of the juniper bush. To me, that was a matter of little importance. I could believe I was mistaken. I did not care about it, one way or other. But on his mind, the effect was different. The miserable voice, the spirit in pain, he could think of as the result of ventriloquism or reverberation or anything you please, An elaborate, prolonged hoax, executed somehow by the tramp that had found a lodging in the old tower. But the juniper bush staggered him. Things have effects so different on the minds of different men. End of Section 10 The Open Door by Margaret Oliphant Part 5